Welcome to the Almost Perfect Podcast, a celebration of fuck-ups, failures, and falling flat on your face. This is a podcast that believes you can learn from experience, but that experience doesn't have to be your own. Ha, I'm Bob Perfect, and I'm a functional fuck-up. Let's learn from somebody else's mistakes. And today we are learning from Sipo the Gift. Now, Sipo is a musician whose foundation is hip-hop, but definitely dabbles in multiple different genres. And yeah, he's an independent artist, someone who I've watched grow for quite a few years now. And it's been cool to see him steadily gain traction and iterate and get better at his processes and get better at his rollouts and really, yeah, get better at his music even. So he's someone who I've enjoyed watching grow and I think he's really starting to come into his own at the moment and I've, I foresee some pretty big things coming from Seapol in the in the relatively near future so you definitely need to look out for him. He's a bit of an introvert, we get into that, he talks about his anxiety over performing live or at least the lead up to shows and how it's a bit different when you're actually performing but I definitely get that. I know what it's like to, you know, it'd be the week of a gig and just be thinking about it the entire fucking week and how that can get to you sometimes. So we get into that. Uh, we get into, yeah, the way he does things on his own and the way he's learned to navigate the business side of the music business. And yeah, how he's just steadily, steadily getting better at all of those things. His new track coming out next week is called Dark Matter. So look out for that. We discuss it a little bit. Yeah, it's not not exactly what I thought, but I'll let Sipo describe what it is to you in just a little bit. Of course, I gotta let you know that this podcast is brought to you by you. That means you can support it by going to patreon.com forward slash almost perfect, where you can subscribe for as little as $1 a month. You'll get sent some stickers and yeah, you'll be able to find out guests before they come on. You'll be able to ask them questions and just uh, be a little bit more interactive with the whole vibe. So if you really dig what I'm putting down here, you can go on over there. There's also some big news coming that I'm gonna be dropping there. Probably same day this is coming out. So you can, if you're a patron, you'll know about some big news. Uh, it's big news for me. It's like merchandising, you know? I get to make more money off of you, hopefully. So <laughs> we'll see how that all goes. So yeah, that'll that's that's the thing. That's the pitch. Fucking enticing. I know. Patreon.com forward slash almost perfect. And yeah, I got vaccinated, motherfuckers. Got my first jab. I puzzled quite a bit. I was running around Musgrave area. I went to like clicks and discam and fucking all the different pharmacies, but they wanted me to wait and sign up and all that. Until eventually I heard that Nazareth house up at Interbeni was doing vaccinations with walk-in vibes. So yeah, I uh, made my way up there, walked in, did the things, got got microchipped, as everyone says. And yeah, man, uh, we're halfway we're halfway there, living on a prayer, and we'll see how the whole thing goes. It didn't affect me that badly, like a little bit sore. Other than that, you know, no real issues. I know some people have had it worse, but yeah. I guess maybe having COVID helped. Maybe I've already got some antibodies. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Do not take podcasters' opinions on science seriously, pretty much ever, unless they're actually scientists who are podcasters. But, you know, if it's me or if it's Joe Rogan, you know, maybe maybe don't listen to us. You know, you can you can be entertained and you can go, hmm, that's an interesting thought. But just know we're talking out of our asses. Speaking of talking out of my ass, I'm going to be doing a radio show. Yeah. Uh, the other radio is a rad online radio station, which you can check out just by typing in the other radio uh, on the internet. And yeah, they've got a bunch of different shows. I really enjoy Fables with Jables when JBS puts out that fun uh, little trip. It's, it's, you just go check it out if you if you haven't. Uh, who else has done some cool shows? I've enjoyed Robin Third Floor is in their show, Coco and Re. Who else? Rose, Stuff Pup. I mean, most of these people have been guests on this podcast. And yeah, so it's really dope to be joining the lineup with the other radio 
The show is going to be called Blow and Smoke with Bob. And basically you're going to be playing uh, emo, country, pop punk, folk, uh, that sort of shit. Like we're talking Bright Eyes, we're talking Cat Power, we're talking Casey Musgraves, we're talking... I don't know. We're talking maybe flatliners, probably flatliners. So it's like it's a it's a wide scale, but it's mostly just sad shit. It's mostly just shit that's gonna make you feel sad about life or make you feel like a teenager again if you know you were a teenager when this music is coming out because a lot of it's it's gonna be pretty old. Although yeah, if you're a South African band or a South African musician who makes guitar-based music, uh, hit me up. Bob it almost perfect. The code is us. Send me your music. I dig to give it a listen and maybe include it in the show. So that's a thing. Um, what else? Oh yeah, CM Punk. CM Punk has returned to wrestling. It was glorious. I stayed up until fucking like seven in the morning because it was it's happened at like four in the morning. But then obviously gotta then stay up to watch all the stuff that happens after, you know, all the reactions and everything. But well worth it. As a wrestling fan, as someone who just gets some joy out of this silly, silly, silly theater that is wrestling. Yeah, man. It was everything you could you, you could want. It was perfect. Every wrestling fan who digs CM Punk it has just been going, that was fucking perfect. So I'm glad I uh, got to witness that. And now we get to see where it goes going forward. And I'm actually writing an article about why I love wrestling again uh, for the website, Almost Perfect Okodadza. So that should be coming out sometime next week. And I'll get into what this all means. For those of you who have no fucking clue who CM Punk is or why why the guy that lost at MMA is a fan favorite or, yeah, whatever your opinion is. Maybe you just think, oh, wrestling is fake. And it's like, no, it's not. And then other people are like, Oh, it's scripted. It's like kind of depending on where you are. So I'm, I'm getting into all of that uh, in an article that's already like over a thousand words. So we'll see where that goes. But as you can tell, quite a it's quite cool to like be able to fucking enjoy something that you enjoy again. You know, WWE sucked all the fucking joy out of wrestling for so fucking long that it's yeah, it's it's good to be able to have some fucking fun again. Especially in such dark fucking times. Just such relentlessly fucking... Yeah, it just never fucking ends. So, hey, some some fun escapism. And, yeah, let's see where all of that goes. Cool, so that's it. That's the intro. It's time for me to now shout out all the rad motherfuckers up at the titular titles tier over at patreon.com forward slash almost perfect. Now, as you very well fucking know... This is a $10 tier. This is the top tier. It is a tier where you get to pick your title right here on the Almost Perfect podcast. You get to become a part of the cast and crew. And every single week, I say thank you to King Julian. Shout outs to you. Shout outs to Riz Ventura, who is, of course, the director of purchasing. Shout outs to our executive producer, Stephen Olafia. Shout out to Rousseau, who is the Chief Sales Officer of Subtle Heresies in the Greater Oberberg region. Shout outs, of course, to our key grip. There's no, no grip finer, no grip more key than Neil Green. Shout outs, of course, to our weasel, who has no pants. That is Tyron Love. Shout outs to Karan Slemon, the almost perfect hedge fund manager. Shout outs to Vishendra Nadu who is our spiritual advisor. Shout out to Karan Chetty, who is the assistant to the regional manager. Shout out to Kath Jenkin, who is the inevitable ruler of the universe and Queen Swifty. And then of course, lastly, shout outs to our anonymous benefactor. Now the clue for this week, and for those of you who don't know, basically there's a motherfucker who's giving me money, doesn't really want people to know. But if you can guess who that motherfucker is, I'll send you a pack of stickers. That's it. It's that simple. You'll get a nice little handwritten letter, some stickers, and I've got to tell you a clue every single week. So this week, the clue is they are from Richards Bay, I think. Pretty certain. Probably. 
definitely lived there for a while. So that should <laughs> that should narrow it down. Not many people from Richards Bay are there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to do that comedian thing where we, you know, get classist and shit. Especially not some from fucking Umbilo. I can't be talking shit about other people's, you know, where they grew up. It's like, yeah, no, we're all we're all in the muck and the mire together. Cool, so that's kind of it. That's what I need to let you know. Oh yeah, also you can support the podcast by buying mugs. They're 100 rand each. They are made by the print room Durban. 10 rand from each sale goes to Sasonke. Sasonke is an organization by sex workers for sex workers who are working to decriminalize sex work, and you can check them out over at sasonke.org.za. Here comes the almost perfect podcast with Sipo the Gift. So how are you living, Sipo the Gift? I'm living pretty well. I'm, I'm trying to be as zen as possible, as focused as possible, and yeah, just concentrating on the people that matter the most, family, friends, and yeah, doing the utmost to be creative and expressive in this time. Yourself? Yeah, I feel you on that, like definitely trying to be the, on that Zen wave as well. Like that's the that's the thing I've gained from this pandemic is basically just learning all about that sort of stuff and like trying to implement it into my life and trying to just go with the flow and, you know, not be judgy over my thoughts and all of that kind of shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> are you like when you talk about Zen shit, are you like actually talking about that sort of thing or what's what do you mean? I mean, I I won't claim to be a kind of expert or anything, but I've just, I don't know, this pandemic has kind of forced people to concentrate on stuff that's most important. So that's why I mentioned family and yeah. things that bring you peace. Do you get what I'm saying? So I, I usually start my week by like writing down uh, the most important things to me and the most important people to me. And I just think about how I can bring value to them and how I can best be valuable to to them and be a blessing and unto them. So I don't know if my Zen is quite as like deep or like textbook as that, but I just try to focus on the things that bring the most peace in the most efficient kind of way. Also health wise. So I, I try to eat as healthy as possible, as little as possible. The the one thing I can't get right is sleep, but I guess that's just the curse of the creative, I suppose. Yeah, although I've been quite lucky lately. I've been using this app called Headspace. Like yeah. no they're not like not a plug, like you know, they're not paying me or anything, but I've actually found the doing the meditations before I go to sleep to be very useful because you do this whole thing where you breathe and you yeah. you know, you you let your thoughts go and all of that, and then they make you like count back from one thousand. <laughs> I promise you, like you're not gonna get to one. So yeah, I've been I've been finding that to be pretty useful for the sleep thing over this last week. And just in general, like just trying to get in touch with that sort of vibe. Like I'm with you on the health thing, but like yeah. health is such a broad thing as well because it's, yeah, it's food, it's exercise. And it's also just like, yeah, getting your thoughts in order and getting your exactly. getting your brain working right. It's speaking on, on, on Headspace, I, I tried that and there's another one called Calm. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just couldn't I just couldn't get into it long term. I think it's because I know that it's an app and I can switch it off whenever I want. So I could I couldn't de-click that part of my brain. Um so I, I ended up just using like C B D infused like things and I every now and then I take some C B D just before bed to kind of mellow me out because my mind runs like at night and sometimes I can't sleep. So Yeah, I I use CBD infused things, but that's that's called weed for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I just use like the, the 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 oil and I dip it into a bit of tea. Sometimes I just take it. I know my oh, nice. Yeah, that that usually mellows me out, and it's okay. Yeah, and it's like it is just such a valuable fucking thing. It's just getting a good night's sleep. But you also you have a pretty interesting take on the gratitude like kind of journal there so like when you're talking about your zen not being like that deep it actually almost sounds like deeper than like some of the surface level shit that like you know gets promoted out there essentially because you know, really. like we, we well yeah because I, i'm like you know heard of stuff like you know a gratitude journal where you've got to like every day like either start your day or end your day you know writing what you're grateful for and it's cool like it's useful 
But like, I like the way that you take it. It's not just like being grateful for these people. It's like thinking about how you can actually like impact their lives. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just when you put it that way, um, my main thought was, was trying to be as intentional as possible. Because like you said, um, being thankful in that kind of surface level way can become like a repetition kind of thing, like a recitation. You just say it like a prayer you say before you eat kind of thing. So you kind of lose the value in it. But when you make it yeah. intentional at the beginning of each week, yo, I, I, I want to spend more time with that person. I want to find out what that person is doing and see how I can be valuable in their lives. Or I want to put more attention on that. I think it gives you a bigger uh, view, like a bigger perspective on what's going on in your life and other people's lives. So that's how I look at it. And when did you start thinking along this way? Because I'm sure when you were, you know, younger, this wasn't your main focus. I mean, yes and no. I think I've always thought about things this way. But it was when I read, um, I didn't read the whole book, so don't give me credit. But I read, uh, <laughs> uh, I think, The Seven Habits of uh, Productive effective people. people. Yeah. yeah. And I stopped at the part where they they basically said, you need to think about your life from from the back so imagine your funeral and everybody there and how would you like them to remember you from a personal level from like just the surface level and then work back into investing and building those thoughts and those memories that those people have and it gives you a different kind of perspective into how to implement who you exactly want to be because all of us think we want to be rich and all of us think we want to be famous but if you think about it in that intentional way, you find out what's really important to you and then you can really start to invest into it and find out, oh, snap, I really don't want the same things as other people. I want this and I can be intentional and very specific about it. So that's that's when it clicked for me. Damn, yeah, that sounds like you're on a similar journey to me because like, I'm totally with you there. Like the whole money and fame thing it's like not yeah it's not what i want like i want some money and i want you know some amount of an audience and you know then i'm happy like i'm not i'm not too i don't want this the problems that those people have man like i see like i see like what happens if you get famous and i see like what happens when you get rich and like just all the shit you got to deal with is just I'm so chilled. I'm so happy with my life now in a lot of ways, you know? And so it's like, I just want this, but a bit more. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking on that, actually, I was, I was looking back because sometimes we forget to look back at people exactly at who we are. I was, I was thinking back to a lot of interviews I used to do when I was starting out and people would ask me, yo, uh, how, where do you see yourself in the future? What kind of artist do you want to be? And I, I'd always mention I want to be an independent artist who's in charge of my my supply my supply chain. So from creating the music to distributing it to deciding how it looks, deciding on the sonics, and being in charge of my merchandise, being in charge of uh, basically how people perceive me, and basically being your own business on a small level, having an audience that you cater to. And sometimes we get I, I get what's the word. Um, distracted by other people's successes but in that moment I had to reflect I I had done every single thing that I had wanted to do at that point as a kid so I had to be a little bit grateful for everything that I'm doing right now even though it's not on the biggest scale but I mean it's getting bigger like I, I see like your your growth especially like in this last year, I would say, you know, you become more known to the public. Like, I've yeah. known about your work for a long time. I mean, I remember Stambelo wrote about you for Durban is Yours, and that was, like, years ago. So, yeah, I've followed your stuff for a while, but it seems like this last year especially, you've really taken a lot of care into the packaging and into the yeah. rollout. Um, so, yeah, what have you learned? How did you do all of this? Because it seems like it's starting to work. Um, I don't, I just started to, well, it came with a conscious decision. Uh, I really didn't like how I was sounding on other people's mixes of my music. So it started with an intentional decision that I want to learn how to mix and master my own music so that I could dictate exactly how I sound. And that 
expand it into, yo, I want to plan out these rollouts very, very carefully. I'm lucky enough to have known a lot of people in these spaces. So I can reach out to journalists. I can reach out DJs. I can reach out to playlisters and plan things out very carefully. So it, it, it was just a very intentional thing. I don't have as many resources as a label or as people who are signed, but I have assets and I have a message and I have all these things that I know how to do. So it was just me taking stock of those things and then steering them in a very intentional kind of way. So I'm, I'm glad that it comes across because that was the intention. Well, I think like, especially with the video for Boy, like, I think that was, yeah. I mean, I what was, I can't remember the name for the video before that. It was cool. It was like doing it in the streets uh, with yeah. my new market, I think. Like, that was a dope video, yeah. but I definitely think that boy was like quite a step up. And like, you worked with like a much larger team on that, didn't you? Yeah, on that team, uh, on that video, I worked with um, Emily Bardenost and Brandon Blight. Um, they were really cool. So, that. At that point, I was working on a project and I really wanted to tell a story. And when I explained it to them, they were like, okay, cool. We see the vision. And I basically scripted it all out. Just the way that it appeared was the way that I scripted it out in the story that I wanted to tell, which was very personal to me. And it was something that I always wanted to do, something like really cinematic to match the music. Because when I make the music, to me, it seems very, I don't know, it seems as cinematic as... Do you imagine music videos in your head? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I try, like, um, for each project that I do, I try to make the beginning seem like the intro to, like, I don't know, uh, who has the best intros in in the music, I mean, in the movie game? You'd probably say Tarantino or somebody like that, or... I mean, off the top, probably, yeah. Yeah, you get what I'm saying? I I try to make it have that grain of texture in just what I'm saying. So it was important to let the visuals represent that as well. Yeah, and I think you you kind of nailed it. But how did how did you come about working with that team? You pitched it to those guys and they just produced it, they brought everyone on, or like how did you yeah, gather the team together? Because I, I noticed like Keenan Oliver is on there and he's someone I know from yeah. Twitter. Like I don't know him in person, <laughs> but I saw that he did the yeah. art direction. So I was just like yeah. Yeah, interested in how that all came about because I know the Cape Town scenes, you know, differently connected than the rest of the country. Yeah, I, I think it's just one of those things. Like I said, I I, I happen to know a few people, so I, I I wanted to work with Emily like years back, back when she was like I think she just done a video for Nasty C, but she wasn't that big, and like What's I that? saw her photography and I, yeah, I thought it was really really amazing. So I hit her up. I'm writing her time. name down. <laughs> yeah emily she's really big now i think she's she's based in could be based in the states i don't know but she was she was really doing cool photography and i reached out to her but it didn't work out at the time but in my mind i bookmarked i'd always wanted to work with emily so when i was working on boy her photography made sense because it, it had such a rich texture and tone to it so when i spoke to her she was like okay cool She'll talk to Brandon because that's who she was um, doing work with. And what I liked is they had this real avant-garde type of approach to it. They had a very small team, but they they really just wanted to like do cool stuff. So they brought Keenan in as well. I met him on the day, but he's a really cool creative guy. Yeah, and it was just really cool. There was a chick named Donna as well who did the styling, which was really, really cool. And it was just creatives who were just like me who wanted to do something cool and express themselves. Um, so when I gave them the, the, the script or the, the storyboard, they didn't even change a thing. They were like, this is perfect. Let's go ahead with it. And that's how it came about. Dope. And your your next track and your next video, Dark Matter, because you, you've put out a snippet of the song. Yeah. And yeah, it, it seems like uh, there's a bit of a dark vibe to it in a lot of different ways. So what's happening there? Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, where do I begin? Well, dark matter is a play on um, the concept of like um, Steve Biko's Black Consciousness Movement, but I didn't want to just okay. call it Black Consciousness Movement because I, I wanted it to have a an interesting wordplay perspective. I, I and yeah, I wanted I to that. be interesting 
for like the newer generation. So it's a, it's it's about having a black consciousness mind state within this new generation. And yeah, it's not really a video. It's just uh, an in-studio performance. When okay. I have the budget, when I have a budget for 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 the visuals I want to do for that, then then only will I be able to shoot a video because I'm very intentional on how I want something to look. And if it can't look that way, I'd rather not do it. That's fair. But then as an independent artist, how do you how do you manage that? You know, like, are you saving, you know, money from sales and this and that? Or what's the process of getting this stuff done? Well, I've had to learn to uh, to be creative. So I started I started selling merch like very small scale. I decide on a budget that I need. Let's say I need 50,000. So I decide, okay, cool, I'm going to set a target for the number of hoodies that I need to sell. And then I just start selling hoodies, uh, which is what I'm doing right now with uh, with Dark Matter. There's merchandise uh, that you can get on the link as well. And we're building for the next project. So that's that's how I do it, basically. I, re- I use music as an advertisement for more music, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. And did um, the pandemic accelerate this? Because obviously not being able to perform live must have had an effect. Or like it's live. What's what's it actually like in Cape Town before the pandemic, I guess, is what I should be getting into. Because I don't know what your guys like live scene is like, especially when it comes to hip hop. So were live gigs like something that were livable or was it still a hustle? I mean, it's it's always a hustle, but I think I'm absolutely the worst person to ask because... (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm kind of like a hermit. I don't perform that much. So so gigging was never like my primary source of, okay. of 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 getting of getting money. But I've seen people start to do shows um since like two months ago. But before that it was really tough. Um the only people who were moving around were like house DJs. But ever since then I've seen some some hip hop guys put on small shows just to get people used to the idea of coming out again because there is that angst uh, that people yeah. still have. But yeah. yeah. So you haven't been like chomping at the bit because like I'm now, like it's been over two years, well, it's been nearly two years since I last did comedy. And like, I'm like, now that I've been partially vaxxed and I'm going to get fully vaxxed soon, Yeah, you know, I figure we can start doing like small shows and stuff again. So you're not feeling any of that? Not necessarily. I've always had a weird relationship with shows. I love shows once I'm in it, but I hate the hassle of <laughs> preparing for a show and getting my head around a show. Like I, I even made a song about it once. I, I figured out that I have anxiety. Like I'm the worst person to be around from the time a show is announced to the time the show actually happens. But when the show is happening, I'm the best person to be around because I love the energy. But I, I, I hate, I hate thinking about shows and I hate doing shows, which is weird as an artist. But it's just something. <laughs> no, I think that's very relatable. I think a hell of a lot of people who are in the performing arts, yeah, we're just like, yep. Because that is something that I mean, I, I know I feel it sometimes. I mean, it depends. Like on the show a lot of the time like some shows mm. are less anxiety ridden or it's also i mean if you got new material and stuff like that but i get you man the hassle of everything and it's just like it's so long like until you get to do it exactly. and then you get to do it and it's fucking you know like and however long it is and it's like the best for like a stand-up comedian 10 minutes to like half an hour yeah and i guess it's kind of the same for a rapper you know I, I I almost wish nobody would tell me about the show until like two minutes before I have to be on stage. <laughs> so I'd I'd go on about my life and then like oh Sipo, peek behind this curtain please. And then when I get there, there's a mic and they're like okay cool, sing a song. That would be almost perfect because I hate thinking about shows. Oh, uh, that that's amazing. Yeah, I I always thought I was weird for like the way I feel about shows because um that's how a lot of people make. Uh, a lot of their money and for me i'm cool with it i'm cool without it it sounds weird but it's there's just an anxiety i have that comes around the concept of shows and doing shows if somebody wants to organize a show and book me for it perfect but organizing my own shows is just a struggle which i know is a bit of backward thinking but that's just how i feel 
Yeah, I get you, man. Especially as like an artist where you've got to like ask people to put you on yeah. and, you know, apply for things. And like that shit's also like just, you know, tough on the ego because like most promoters are fucking idiots. Like you don't really have like good taste anyway. Like there are some that are very good at what they do. And like the problem there is like, you know, they're booking really good acts. So to get in there can be very difficult as well. So I get it, man. Like, I totally get it. Yeah, and you mentioned something about uh, the Cape Town and the clicks, which is another thing that I'm not really, like, well-versed in because, like I mentioned, I'm pretty much a hermit and all the people that I work with, I have really cool relationships. But shows and getting around usually requires a lot of socializing, getting to know people, uh, going out to a bunch of stuff and being seen, which isn't really my my strong suit for most for the most part. I, smoke up asses. Oh, yeah. Like for clowns. the most part, yeah. I stay in my lane. I do what I do. I sell my merch. I produce my music, and I know who I know, and that's how I move. So, would you say you're kind of like a product of the internet then? Because it does seem like your career is possible because of how connected we are through the internet. You know, yeah. you're, you're allowed to do this as an independent artist. When before, if you wanted to be a hermit, like, you know, top, you would have had to be the most famous like musician in the world, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was I was just explaining this to to my wife the other day. Like I'm a product of the early internet. I I remember setting up a Tumblr page, and like editing, yeah. like strenuously and trying to get it just perfect and trying to be on the next wave. That's that's what I come from and like connecting pe- through um connecting to people through the internet, and it's just uh, amazing and it's testament to like how great the internet is that a person can build something purely or mainly off the internet. Because a lot of the collaborations I have are with people that I hit up initially just off the strength of the internet. Like, yo, I like your music. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've seen something. I've heard your name. I like your music. I like the quality. Let's work. That's how it goes 95% of the time. And that's, like, so dope because it allows you to expand beyond just, you know, your hometown, essentially. It's like you can work with people from all over the world. You can work from people in smaller parts of South Africa. It's, yeah, it really does open things up, like, quite a lot. Yeah, I I get a lot of, like, DMs from, from rappers and other artists asking me, yo, how did you do this or how did you get... Somebody sent me a DM the other day asking how long did it take for you to get dope and i did not know how to answer that <laughs> but basically what he was saying was he comes from a very small town and there's not a lot of opportunities so he wants to know how did i manage and i was like i don't know how to tell him but i come from two of the worst towns for rap music i i originated from kimberley <laughs> and oh, i and then I moved to Stellenbosch where nobody knows any rap. Do you get what I'm saying? People talk about, yeah. talk about wine and uh, soccer. Yeah, there weren't any ciphers on the corner. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I'm still here in Stellenbosch managing to produce music and like put it out to the world. But that's just a testament to how dope the internet is. It's The internet still has that power to connect people and like... Um, just then actually i think that was sorry for butting in but like i just thought now like the question he asked is actually still a pretty good one like how did you get dope then because <laughs> like if, you, if you're not doing it like you know on the corner with like you know mates and stuff and everyone you know trying to one-up each other yeah like what is the process like for you how do you get good at rapping is it just sitting at home like just practicing over and over again like yeah how did how did you grow into the rapper that you are today <sighs> I don't even know how to answer that question. I th- I think the, the the main thing is that I'm obsessed with music, not just rap music. Like yeah, rap music is cool, but I'm obsessed with music as a whole. Like for the past week, I've been jamming John Mayer's Sob Rock album till <sighs> bro. I I'm obsessed with music, and that that's I think I play guitar. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I so that's how it started. I started out playing guitar, and then I played the drums in high school. Then I, I played xylophone, 
I played, uh, yeah, I played auxiliary percussion. So I was just obsessed with music as a kid. So it came naturally uh, to write and produce music. And it's just constantly like being obsessed with it. I wake up in the morning, I watch videos on how to get better at mixing and mastering. I watch videos on who's releasing what music and how they're releasing it, what the best strategies are for like an independent artist. I mean, it sounds like homework, but for me, it's like an obsession. I just need to get better and I need to know how to do it. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, because I do very similar things. Yeah. Like I study at the University of YouTube and have for many years. Like everything I've done in my life is basically just through watching, you know, videos and going, cool. So that's how that's done. Yeah. Okay, let me try and do it now. And then, you know, you fuck up a little bit and you practice and you practice. And I guess that's also the cool thing about being a hermit is that you're going to iterate quite a lot at home. Exactly. You know, you don't have to put stuff out. It's like you don't necessarily, I guess, need that validation immediately, which allows you the time to get better and to just continue working on it. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it comes at a lot of people's annoyance, but I mean... <laughs> I guess that's how you answer the question. How do you get better? You just keep doing it again and again and again. Like, um, yeah, I just keep writing music, keep making music. It's not for everybody, honestly. But you just keep doing what you love to do over and over again, chipping away and being very self-critical. Yeah, and just getting better, I suppose. So when did this all start? When did you... Yeah, start getting into like because you said you started with guitar and stuff like that. But were you thinking then like I'm gonna be a rock star, or were you just like, yeah, this is fun. I'm enjoying this. What was the journey like? It was the most nonchalant thing ever. Like I used to like listening to to, to pop radio on Five FM, and then one day I just turned to my mom and I was like, Yo, can you get me a guitar? With no hope in the world, and she was like, Okay, cool, and she got me a guitar. And I, I, just, I just thought, yeah, I'm going to write a few songs, like, cool. I didn't even know you could put out music and release it to people. I just liked playing music. And then in high school, it was just playing music for the band. And it was only, um, I think, after high school that somebody told me, yo, you can put all of these songs that you've done together and release it and then have people listen to it. And I was like, but that doesn't sound like something I can do but they were like okay cool I'll show you how I know a few people I'll send it here and I'll send it here and then that's actually how I first got into OK Africa um oh wow yeah uh so I sent I did a freestyle a, a pound cake freestyle for the the Drake and Jay-Z song and for me it was cool because I liked it but I didn't know any for everybody else would like it and everybody else would think it was cool and good but it that got me a little bit of attention which led to my first video ending up on like mtv base and, and that was crazy i didn't even know <laughs> that is crazy like that is super crazy yeah i didn't know that getting on mtv base was even possible like i thought you needed to be signed to a label or be doing a bunch of things but the dude was like yo just shoot a video get it looking good and then talk to these people and then I figured out, oh, snap, the industry works this way. You just need to Some get the your... right people. Basically, but the first point of, of, of reference is you need to put out quality and get your admin correct. Because that's what a lot of people don't understand. Like the admin of it, it's everything works on procedures and knowing the right person and then delivering things and then planning it out, which, is, which goes back to what you were saying earlier about a rollout. That's a constant inter iteration that's always uh, improving and needs to be like refined for any independent artist. Yeah, no, I agree. Because I guess that's something I've seen like really get better and better and better, actually. is yeah. a lot of like you look at guys like Balawanster, you know, he's like really good at creating hype for himself. Yeah. Also Robin Third Floor, you know, like cats who i think are on a similar wavelength to you and have a similar spirit like with that diy mentality that mentality of also like you know speaking to your audience and knowing who your audience is yeah. and actually 
yeah, not being too stressed about what's happening, you know, in the mainstream. And I think that's such a fucking cool part of South African music at the moment. But do you ever worry about, yeah, being drowned out by the fact that there are so many other rad artists out there? There's so many dope independent artists as well as, you know, the mainstream to contend with. Is that ever a stress for you? I mean, I wouldn't necessarily put it that way. My main stress, my main stress is that the industry won't accommodate all of the diversity there is or isn't growing as as quickly as the the talent is growing because sure. back, back in the day it was oh there's only a few genres and we need we need to catch up to what the states is doing in terms of hip-hop but then we got to a level where kids were doing stuff that is even surpassing what's going on internationally but the infrastructure and um the industry itself, how we award artists, how we give opportunities to artists, how we recognize artists hasn't caught up to the artists themselves. Do you get what I'm saying? So, no, I agree 100%. So it's not me worried about the next independent artists. I'm, I'm glad everybody's doing dope things because that's what inspires another artist. But it's just the industry not having caught up and fully knowing how to accommodate all of these artists. Because at some stage, artists who aren't rewarded and remunerated for all their effort turn away and do other things, and it discourages other creatives who want to get into the space because they see such a homogenized space that doesn't reward them, and it only rewards one kind of thing that you kind of think, like, what's the point? Do you get what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I definitely get what you're saying. I think it's been a problem that's plagued South African music across the genres for yeah. as long as I've been alive, you know? Like, I know it's so many bands that fucking put out some of the best music, you know, you're, you're going to hear and never got the play it deserved and never got the media that it deserved. Mm. And, you know, those people are all working jobs and they're probably listening to this podcast at the moment. So, hi, everyone. <laughs> you know but at the same time those people didn't necessarily have the same kind of avenues or at least those avenues weren't you know like a lot of bands would sell merch after the show and that but when you've got like four people to feed off of like three t-shirt sales it's it's a bit difficult but like i was saying earlier i guess the internet is the thing that now makes it more possible to be an independent artist but why do you want to be an independent artist when it's so fucking hard? <laughs> that is a question I'm still trying to figure out. Like, <laughs> I, I was saying this to my to my wife the other day, or just yesterday. Like, if somebody had told me in the beginning, like, yo, being an independent artist is 10% about the music, but 90% about being a businessman or woman and promoting yourself and marketing yourself, I would have run the opposite direction because that's (laughs) totally opposite to my personality. Like I don't want to be at the forefront promoting myself and saying, hey, look at me, click here, support this. Do you get what I'm saying? So it doesn't have to be that though because like, and I think the way you do it is cool. It's like, it's more about thinking of creative ways to package yourself, you know, and package what you're doing. Like that's the thing. Like it doesn't have to be look at me it can be look at this yeah but i i get you 100 it's just i'm thinking about um what the ego sometimes the insecurities of an artist will pop up like you put your blood sweat and tears into something really cool you don't necessarily care about it getting a million views but then you put it out and then it doesn't necessarily get the reception that you were thinking or yep doesn't get the reception it sometimes it will knock at you and then you're thinking oh snap i need to get better i need to be better than this person i need to do it like this person whereas your art was perfectly fine your intentions were perfectly fine it's just algorithm do you get what i'm saying i very much do yeah and that's something i'm actually been learning lately is you know the youtube stuff the stuff about thumbnails and fucking all of that shit because at the end of the day like if you're gonna do these things like these independent things i mean i've also spent a large part of this year this year learning seo yeah so that i can like improve the websites and like 
just you know you got to do all the fucking things and it is tiring it's fucking so much but at the same time i do feel grateful that i've learned like just all these different skills because i am someone who needs to always be doing different things i guess like i don't feel fulfilled if i'm just doing the same thing over and over again so yeah i'm sure there's value in doing all of this as well like because even if you know like later in life like you want to start another business yeah you're gonna have so much experience you're 100 100% correct like i i look back and i think there there has to be a reason i learned all of these skills if 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 not for myself, maybe for a different avenue or maybe for other independent artists one day. I don't know where this is going to take me, but I don't regret like having learned all of these skills at all because I think it puts me at a better position to be able to express myself as a creative and uh, give music to people because I think about music one way, but the way the people receive it is totally different. But the, the mere fact that I'm able to package it this way and deliver it to people is, I think it's immense for me. So I don't, I don't begrudge that at all, actually. Yeah, and it's, I mean, one of the things as well is you can always constantly learn from, you know, the response that you get. But you can, you also, you can't control, yeah. like, you know, how people are going to receive your shit at the end of the day. And also what happens a lot with artists is people, you know, look back once you know someone's like you know really blown up they go and look back at the old stuff and they go wow this is also really good and people don't i don't know you don't always get your flowers at the time that you deserve them yeah but if you keep at shit and you keep growing you're just going to keep making better music anyway and eventually people will catch on and if they don't well you know you got to do what you wanted to do exactly like um i take a lot of reference from like um visual artists because that's that's another thing i wanted to do in high school people like van gogh or like um rothko and a bunch of them only became like really really famous towards the end of their careers and these weren't people who were chasing like the the glitz and the glam of immense fame but they're some of the most world famous artists and i'm sure they had to deal with their regular i don't know red tape of the art world but yeah van gogh's laugh was pretty hectic (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to go down that path but but my point is that like to what you were saying art doesn't always get um rewarded like in real time and that's something that as artists we need to understand like i had a friend tell me once or he asked me a question he was like yo do you really want to be rich and i was like yeah i'd like to be rich at that point and he was like so why are you doing music so uh, <laughs> that I, such, that's too real though that's too yeah, real i had to think about it and it was like yo you do music music is a form of art right it's cool to make money off of it but if your point is to get rich then you should be a banker or like investor or something but like you're not going to get rich off of music it can be your passion it can be your love but don't try to put those intentions into music because you're not going to get those results and you're going to end up polluting the end product. And I had to check myself and I was like, he's completely right. When you started out though, did you have some of that? Did you have some of that whole, like, I want to be famous. I'm going to be rich. That sort of vibe. I mean, of course, because unfortunately that's, that's, that's all hip hop is about the bravado. Like, yeah, not not your stuff like these days, but when you started out, it was, you were fully in that wave. I mean, there was a bit of delusion because there was a disconnect with the type of music I was making and the kind of intentions I had. I, I okay. didn't quite understand at the time that I wasn't necessarily a mainstream artist. I was an artist with mainstream uh, ability and crossover ability if I wanted, but that wasn't necessarily how I was being received at the time. So I had to adjust my expectations to be like, yo, I'm not necessarily making like what AKA is making or what Casper's making. So it won't be received in the same way. So I can't necessarily, unless I switch up my business model, I can't necessarily attach the same uh, monetary value to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now things have changed in, in, in music. You get artists like 
from Griselda who are super independent and super yeah. like, underground who can make money, but they're like a dime a dozen. Do you get what I'm saying? So I just had to think about things differently. I get that. Um, where where do I want to go with this now? I want to chat to you. Actually, we're going to go to some Patreon questions. Uh, if you are listening to this, no, no, I'm not chatting to you, Sipo. I'm chatting to the <laughs> listener right now. You can go to patreon.com forward slash almost perfect and sign up for as little as $1 a month. And yeah, after that, you can ask guest questions. You can also find out when they're coming on before they come on. So we've got Simp Slayer who's asked a few questions and I am going to pick my favorite ones from them. He says, what's the first rap album you listened to? Oh, the first rap album I listened to, uh, I think I was six or eight at the time and it was the, the Slim Shady LP. Uh, I oh, shit. Yeah, I shouldn't have been listening to that, but it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me in my life, honestly. Uh, yeah, I remember listening to that for my first time. <laughs> yeah. I was like 10. Yeah, so so that was just uh, amazing. But it was that wasn't the one that changed my life, actually. The, the one that changed my life was, uh, I think, the 50 Cent Get Die, uh, Get Rich or Die Trying. That was, that oh, was yeah, that was the one that changed everything for me, like... That's my holy grail in terms of in terms of hip hop, just because of the nostalgia and everything it started within me. You know, like I missed out like on Fifty when he was big, and that like I was just like, oh, I hate this like you know flashy blah blah yeah. blah stuff. You know, like I was, which is weird because like I'm listening to Dre and Snoop and like Eminem and like yeah. all of that, and like Cy- like Cypress Hill is like one of the big ones I was listening to back then. But like I'm just like. Yeah, fuck 50 cents. I was just like, what? Like, yeah, when you're young, you've just always got the worst opinions. Like, that's something I have definitely learned. Simpsonia then also asks, like, not, like, I'll, I'll rephrase the question, but I'll say it the way they said it first. It said, if you had an opportunity to work with Drake, Kendrick, or Travis, but it's like, uh, fuck, marry, kill. So what I'm going to do here is go Drake, Kendrick, Travis, and then, you know, whose career would you end? Who would you want to feature on? And who would you want to, like, work with long term? Ah, that's totally unfair. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, let's just take emotion out of it. I'd end Travis's career. Oh, wow. Wow. I was not expecting that. That's heavy. Yeah, I... Yeah. Wow, wow. I just think Travis is great for this generation. Like he's he's one of the biggest. But if we're looking at it purely musically and the things that I enjoy about music, sometimes his music can get a little samey and repetitive. It's great for energy, but like yeah. yeah. Outside of Astro World, I I I don't have as much repeatability in his music and and extract as much sustenance from it. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I get that. That is actually pretty fair. Okay, and then who who are you gonna feature with and who are you gonna like develop a collab like lifelong partnership with? Okay, uh, I'll feature Drake for the Drake starter pack. That's the number one route to <laughs> to success for some people. The Alan McCona route. Yeah. Get your Drake feature and you climb your way up to the charts. So that one's pretty easy. And then Kendrick would obviously be the lifelong. I just think from an artistic point of view, there's a lot to extract from him. Just the way that he thinks and the way he does things. Yeah, that one That one was pretty cut and dry. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, he is just at the peak, like... Yeah. I know some other people will be like, oh, Kendrick, whatever, but come on. Like, we can all admit that, like, in the pop fucking world, like, that hip-hop has become, he is definitely, like, leading the pack when it comes to rapability. Um, who are you looking to work with here in South Africa, by the way? Like, who are some of the other artists, other rappers that you've got your eye on at the moment? Uh, that's That's very hard to answer. Like, I don't have specific uh I, I work with anybody like like you were saying people who have the same kind of energy that diy energy that i'm about yeah so like people like by people uh like youngster people like 
Maclera. I love I love working with people like that, but I think I've already worked with those people. So um I don't know. I'd have to think about that honestly. That one caught me off guard. I'd have to think about that. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, because yeah. I mean I'm also like I'm just kind of figure like wondering who you're listening to, you know, like who I should be looking out for essentially. Cause uh, yeah, like I don't I don't really know all the time what's popping out there, you know? Uh I guess I don't always like what's popping. I I like the more yeah. like <laughs> I like or or the 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 indie stuff, the stuff that likes on the fringes and does like a lot of genre bending. That's why I was drawn to like Leah Butler because I was like, there's no way that this voice is possible and like the stuff that she's doing just on her phone, it's crazy. All her music that's on SoundCloud was recorded and mixed on her phone, and oh, wow. it's like. It's like super dope. And this is an artist who like, I don't know, not a lot of people know. So those are the kind of people that I'm drawn to. Do you get what I'm saying? Who? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I don't have a big wish list. I just, I just go on the internet and I find people that are cool. So are you still trolling SoundCloud? Oh, of course. Like um, a large part of what I do is just trolling the internet for like new sounds and like a I don't know. Yeah, cause cause you sample a lot, hey. Yeah, I I sample a lot, but that's that's a that's a passion of mine that goes back to listening to Kanye for the first time. I was like, this is the most amazing thing in the world. So yeah, I do that all the time. Yeah, especially um for on Do for Love, like you did a lot of sampling there. I actually really enjoyed that uh, that project because, I mean, it was like you know you wasn't super different but it was like at the yeah. same time like pretty different to what you'd been doing before and like it was a lot more soulful yeah and yeah it seemed like you almost had a bit more freedom on it i mean that that was purely like a passion project for me like it had no i had no intentions of that being the most played or whatever i just love soul music like old school motown like that is i could listen to that every single day so i wanted to do a project that reflected that because i don't want to tell people oh i like soul music i'd rather show it and mix it in with a with a few genres of what's going on at the moment so i, I was i was really happy at the reception for me it was just a passion project and like i wanted to tell a story and have it be something that's like you, you can play from beginning to end but it's just soul throughout so did it have like a bigger reception than you were expecting? Or was like the opposite of what you were talking about earlier? Yeah. Like, I think that was the second project that had that effect. The first one was the Bloom EP, which a yeah. lot of people don't know was like four leftover tracks that I didn't have the separates for at the time. So I couldn't, I couldn't edit them or like mix them again or master them again. And I was like, okay, cool. I like these songs. Let's, let me just package them and put it out because at the time I was working on other music and it was going to take too long. So I packaged it and called it an EP and people really, really liked it. And I was like, okay, cool. These are some songs from three years ago, but if you like it, I love it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's fucking dope though. Like, and I mean, I guess it does speak to being less intentional almost in a way, if yeah. that makes sense. Because being able to just do things that feel right and, you know, just letting them be seems to be working out for you. Yeah, I, that's, that's a lesson that I'm having to learn. Like, sometimes I overthink the artistic process and I, I just, I forget sometimes that it's not about forcing people to listen to a project. It's about giving it to people and letting them receive it. And fortunately for me, for a lot of the time, my music is is like left of center for a lot of mainstream hip hop people. So it it's it already has the different tag on it. So I don't need to do much to it. It's just about growing the audience and giving it to more people. And have you seen that like, you know, growing lately? Because I mean I I kind of have, you know, I see your stuff's being shared a lot more. Yeah. How does that feel? I mean, it feels pretty dope. For me, it's always mind-boggling in terms of like people will people say the wildest things to you, like "Oh, uh, people think I'm a new wave rapper," which I don't think <laughs> I am. 
I just you just found me yesterday. That's that's the situation. You came across my music yesterday, and that's what it is. But it's it's always cool. Like that's what we do music for to share it with people. So the more people can get a hold of it and appreciate it, um, it's it's always amazing because those aren't necessarily my metrics. Like I don't measure success by how many retweets I get. But if you can get 120 or 500 retweets, then it's all the better. Yeah, I mean, it's something that it resonates with people. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. At the end of the day, like, especially as a lesser known artist, like, you know, when you get like a lot of retweets, it's not because those people know you. It's because they saw the work and were like, damn, this looks interesting. This looks cool. And I think that can be incredibly validating and incredibly useful as well. And obviously helps, you know, build what you're doing. But at the same time, I guess someone like you is probably, you get more stoked when you see like the same person, like retweeting something or like liking it or, you know, responding to something or those people who will just tweet out your song on a random Tuesday and like tag you and just be like, this is my jam. Yeah. So what's what's that like? You know, being on the receiving end of that. I mean, it's it's really cool because you you have to understand, as a creative, you you live with something from the time that it's conceived in your head, and you see it throughout its processes. Like you, you 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 conceive how to put it out to people, but people receive it instantaneously and they. Their thoughts when they get it is totally different to what you thought when you were giving it. So sometimes I forget that and it comes alive in a different way when somebody says, oh, I heard this song. It really, really resonated with me because of one, two, three. And I'll be like, oh, snap. I That wasn't the intention or, oh, snap, you got what I was trying to, to say. Because I see it one way because it's been living in me for years or for months or whatever. But you just got it, and in that instant, it resonated with you. That's really dope for me. Do other people's opinions of your music ever change the meaning for you? Like, after the process? I don't know if necessarily change the meaning. Um, no, 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 I wouldn't say that. It's just, it always is eye-opening. It expands on the meaning, if, if, I, if I can uh, put it that sure. way. Because, like... Yeah. I, I think of myself one way, but the way people reflect it back to me, it's like a mirror to say, oh, cool, people receive it this way. This is what it means to them. That's really, really dope. Like I had a song once called A Father's Love, which was a deeply personal song about like the relationship that I have with my dad. And it was just me laying out my frustrations. And I'd never heard a song like that before. So when somebody else heard it and was like, yo, I have so much resonance with the song because I'm in the exact same position. To me, that blew my mind. It was it was weird because I hadn't had that experience with a rapper before where somebody communicated what I was feeling 100% and I could talk to them about it and have an exchange where we like shared ideas and talked about our journeys. But this person was getting it through my music. So that was crazy. Yeah, man, that's fucking dope. And like, yeah, I guess that's another testament to the internet is that accessibility. It actually allows you to talk to people. It allows you to hear what they have to say and then communicate back. So it's like you're building on the mythos together when it comes to like certain like projects and certain songs. Damn, (laughs) like that's super fucking cool, man. Like it's so rad to be seeing you get just to this level now because i like that's the thing i see you like really starting to like you know resonate with a lot of people and i'm hoping to see you know you just grow from strength to strength so thank you so much for coming on here today and for sharing your story this has been such a dope chat it's been super enlightening is there anything you want the people at home to know? Firstly, thank you to you for having me. Like I said, I've, I've always wanted to do this, but I was a little bit shy and I didn't know if I was quite at the level yet, but it's pretty dope to finally be doing this. Um, and in Not t- at the level yet. I think you should go and look back at some of the guests here. Like, uh, <laughs> I think you're, you're doing pretty good for yourself. Um, no, nah, that, that was just me flattering myself. I think... Um, Anything that I want people to know, 
oh yeah, uh, I have two projects coming out. So the music that you're seeing right now is for a project. Uh, I'll call it a mixtape, but it's really an album that's coming out okay. at the end of October. It's really, really cool. It's like it's called Legend of the Underground King, aka <laughs> Lotak, and it features Youngster, Asep Shembe, um, Tatusol, oh, Ifeli, and obviously Maglera Doughboy. And it's yeah. And then after that, I'll be dropping like an album. Yeah, I won't say too much about that, but I, I want to drop it at the top of the year. If not, then beginning of next year. Sweet. And then if people want to see you live, they're, they're not going to get to do that. <laughs> <laughs> the ra- on, the, on the rare occasion, maybe. Yeah, on the rare occasion, you it'll probably be in, in Cape Town or Joburg. I might do like small, intimate shows with like a few people. I'm just not too sure about putting people's lives in my hands and organizing a show quite yet. But as as more people get vaccinated, I, I think I'll get more comfortable with doing that. Yeah, I feel you there. That's that's my thing. I'm going to be doing some shows, but you're going to have to be vaccinated to come inside and yeah. wear still wear masks and do all the things. And yeah, hopefully I don't kill anybody by trying to make them laugh. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah, man. Thank you so much for your time once again. And yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing the full, like hearing Dark Matter in full and then also hearing the whole mixtape. So I'll catch you soon, bro. All right. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope the the listeners enjoy listening to this interview or this conversation and gain some knowledge from it. But thanks for having me. Sweet. Yeah, I don't think they would have listened all the way to the end here if uh, they didn't enjoy it. (laughs) If they heard that, they did. Later, bro. Yeah, shut.